0: The Lord put on my heart a message for today that I want you to listen carefully. I want you to pay very close attention. In fact, I'd encourage you to take something to write notes on because I'm going to share uh, some truths with you today that I believe will transform our hearts. I want to speak to you about a heart for God and for truth. I'm, I'm pressed to talk about loving God and loving truth living for God, and living truth. We are in a day where we vitally need that. Let's stand together for the reading of God's Word. I'm taking just a short passage, but I will give you a lot of Scripture today. Romans chapter 3, verse 3 and 4. Please read it out loud with me. What if some did not believe? Would their unbelief nullify The faithfulness of God, God forbid. Let God be true and every man a liar. As it is written, that you may be justified in your words and may prevail when you are judged. Let God be true. Let every man be a liar. And Father, may it be so in the name of Jesus. God bless you. Be seated, please. How many of you like to be told the truth? Can I see your hand? Could you say amen to that? Well, I do. I think we all do. And I know we like to be told the truth uh, when it favors us, when we like what we're hearing in response to some question or uh, query on our minds. But what about when the truth doesn't feel good? Do we want to hear that? How many of you have ever said, and I want to be real careful here, I don't want any ladies upset with me. How many have ever said, how do I look in this? And I won't go further with that. What do you want to hear? Do you want to hear the truth? I don't think so. (laughs) We all want to hear what agrees with our inner truth. And our inner truth, are is in a, in a word, our perceptions, our picture of what truth is about whatever it is that we're considering. What I want to say to you today is that truth is extremely important. I said truth is extremely important. You see what you believe to be true is vital because It will determine how you see life. It will determine how you live your life. It will determine your ability to understand life and your ability to obey God. Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. John chapter 8. We know this from history that civilizations have grown and advanced as they have sought truth. As they have discovered truth. As they have applied and lived according to truth. We also know that civilizations that did not understand truth or forsook truth or did not live according to truth did not advance. And history, sadly, records that many of those civilizations perished and are no longer in existence. I want you to think about that when we think about our times and our own culture and what we are uh, as a part of it. At one point in the history of the world, truth was very important. People sought to know truth, and thereby, knowing truth, they gained wisdom from having come to know truth. People who searched after truth came to be known as lovers of wisdom. Wouldn't that be a great way to be known? I said, wouldn't that be a great way to be known? A lover of wisdom. In fact, people who uh, did this were then later called philosophers. Paleo, meaning to love, and sophos, meaning wisdom put together, lovers of wisdom, philosophers. But today, philosophers do everything seemingly in their power to question and disprove truth, to forsake truth. Years ago, C.S. Lewis said, we have so many bad philosophers today, we need some good philosophers to counter with truth. I wonder what he'd say about our times now. In a recent Barnes study at a university campus, random students were asked, do you believe there is an absolute truth that is true of all people of all time and in all places? And the responses were amazing. It was something like this. Truth is whatever you believe. Truth is there is no absolute truth. And another response was, if there were such a thing as absolute truth, how could we know what it is? Many of our university campuses today. In that study, he went further, Barna, George Barna, to discover that 91% of teenagers when polled don't believe in absolute truth and 71% of the adults participating in this study do not believe in absolute truth is this a needed message or what I said is this a needed message or what And sadly, Barna's survey included evangelical born-again Christians. And 40% of evangelical Christians of our day responded in the same way. There's no such thing as absolute truth. I don't know what that says to you. But it says to me, we need to get back in this book. It says to me, we need to listen to the Holy Spirit again. It says to me, we need a time with God that will help us come again to a realization of the significance and importance of eternal truth. It hasn't always been this way. There was a time folks believed a truth that's absolutely true at all times and all places, regardless of my own personal experience. And that's because we've always, I believe, tried to live on the basis of absolutes in most areas of our lives, whether we fully realize it or understood it or not. For example, consider the law of gravity. Yes, somebody can say, I do not believe in that being an absolute truth, the law of gravity. But the moment that person, he or she, steps off of a three-story building, may I suggest to you their belief system is going to drastically change instantly. Because they're coming face to face with the reality of absolute truth. And it was discovered, Newton. You see, these are God's truths. These are God's laws. Science is God's science. Men don't invent it or create it. Men are only allowed to discover it and come to know it. We have people who live according to their feelings today as a result. Instead of listening to their spirit and their soul, which includes their minds, feelings dominate decisions, habits, ways of life, patterns, and interrelationships with others. We even base decisions, moral and otherwise, on what we feel is right not because we've sought the Lord, not because we've read the book, the eternal scriptures, not because we believe this is what God is saying, this is God's truth, therefore I must align myself with what God is saying. No, it's how do you feel about it. I kind of wish one of those persons would, who says I don't believe in absolute truth would ask me for directions to Houston. I'd first send them up to Tulsa, then I'd send them over to Shreveport. And if they came back and complained to me and tell me what you did was wrong, you didn't tell me the truth. I would say to them, but I thought you don't believe in absolute truth. See, from here, there's there, there's, there's probably one best way to get to Houston. Are you hearing me this morning, church? Are you getting the picture? Albert Einstein, you've heard of him before. <laughs> I was Ron McKeon sent me this and I have to pass it on he said what do we know for sure anyway as far as the laws of mathematics refer to reality they are not certain and as far as they are certain they are not they do not refer to reality only two things are infinite the universe and human stupidity and I'm not sure about the former So what's our foundation for truth? Let's go through that as quickly as we can, but don't rush me this morning, I wanna teach and I just wanna make sure I share what God's put on my heart today. What do we base our truth on? First is the revelation of God in his word. That's the cornerstone. I said, that's the cornerstone. John Piper, I love what he said. He said, our concern with truth is an inevitable expression of our concern with God. If God exists, then he is the measure of all things. And what he thinks about all things is the measure of what we should think. Not to care about truth is not to care about God. To love God passionately is to love truth passionately. Being God-centered in life means being truth-driven in service and ministry. What is not true about... What is not true is not of God. May I repeat that? What is not true is not of God. You ponder that. Chew on that. You see, our truth is anchored in scriptures. Just take one of the Gospels, one of the four, the Gospel of John. John, the apostle, uses the word truth more than any other book in the Bible. Over 90 times he uses the word truth in his gospel. Let me just give you just a couple of them. In fact, I'll give you four of them. Come on, read them in your your outdoor voice with me. I want you to let your ears hear your voice say it. John 1, 14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, Full of grace and truth. John one seventeen, the law came through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. John three, twenty-one, he who practices the truth comes into the light, that it may be clearly revealed that his deeds have been done through God. John four, twenty-three, twenty-four. Come on, are you reading with me? A time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit and His worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. Are you hearing the word this morning, friends? Now ponder these four sets of text that I want you to see as pillars, foundational cornerstones, if you will, on the reality of God and truth. First, I want you to see number one, the triune God is the truth. God is truth. Look at Romans 3. This is God the Father. We read that a moment ago, but let's read it again. What if some were unfaithful? Does their faithlessness nullify the faithfulness of God by no means let God be true though everyone were a liar here in John 1 14 verse 6 we see God the Son Jesus said to him I am the way and the truth and the life no one comes to the Father except through me we see the God the Spirit in John 15 verse 26 When the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. Oh, hallelujah. The Trinity is truth. God, the triune God, is our foundation and chief cornerstone of the truth of our lives. Here's the second cornerstone. Not loving the truth is eternally disastrous. It will ruin your life. It is very harmful and dangerous. Look at what the Spirit said through Paul. The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan, with all power and false signs and wonders and with all wicked deception for those who are perishing because, what was the reason? They refused to love the truth and so be saved. Therefore, God sends them a strong delusion so that they may believe what is false in order that all may be condemned who do not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. I said it's dangerous. It's catastrophic. Love the truth. Here's the third pillar. Christian, living your life, your ability to live is based on the knowledge of the truth. You shall know the truth, Jesus said. Paul makes this very abundantly clear in this example in his Corinthian letter, chapter 6. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with I'm talking about truth that sets you free this morning. Here's the fourth cornerstone. The body of Christ is built with truth in the love of Jesus Christ. Paul said this in Colossians 1, Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom. That's after the discovery of truth, that we may present everyone mature in Christ. That's the mission of the church. That's the goal of the church. And so that's our foundation. Truth is on a solid foundation. Let's get over there on it. Amen? Let's love it and live it. Why do people not believe in Jesus today? Why do they not want the truth? Is it because Jesus is a liar? I don't think so. Is it because Jesus is a lunatic? Or simply a legend? No, Jesus is the truth. And to reject Jesus is to reject absolute reality. I said it's to reject reality because Jesus is real. Oh, hallelujah. Jesus said, I have, in John 17, I have kept them in thy word. Thy word is truth. So what does God's truth say about absolutes, about right and wrong? Well, Paul wrote this to the Galatians in chapter 6. Don't be deceived. God cannot be mocked. Come on, finish reading it with me. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that sinful nature will reap destruction. And the one who sows to please his spirit, from the spirit will reap eternal life. So God is clear. Truth is is absolute, there is an absolute truth. The word of God is clear. And when we violate it, there's a price to pay. There are consequences. We only need to look at the soaring divorce rates, the separation, the communicable diseases, people drowning in unimaginable debt, people desperate with addictions they can't shake. Why? Because they're trying to fill that hole in their heart With things of this world. With the false truth that is made so readily available around us. But my friends, there's only one thing that will set us free. And that's the reality of the truth of Jesus Christ. And him crucified and resurrected and seated by the Father's right hand. Oh, can you say "Praise praise the Lord? Yes, it's true. The truth can be painful. In fact, the writer of Hebrews says this. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Truth. Can you receive it? Some of you remember that movie. Jack Nicholson played Colonel Jessup in a movie called A Few Good Men. And there's one scene, it seems like that's what most people remember about it, when Jack Nicholson yelled, you can't handle the truth. Sadly, there are a lot of people in our culture today who can't handle the truth. Can you handle it? Do you welcome it? Do you receive it? The fact that there is truth means we are accountable to live by the truth. And that we will answer to God for whether or not we loved and lived the truth. That becomes and is the benchmark against which he will measure your life and mine. Let that soak in. Mother Teresa spoke boldly for truth in a speech she gave before the National Prayer Breakfast a few years ago. Before she died, she stood before national leaders, including uh, Bill Clinton was president at the time, and Bill and Hillary Clinton were at the prayer breakfast. At the time, they were probably the most powerful couple in the world who were also well-known to be advocates for abortion, did that cause this little wisp of a woman to modify her message? No, she spoke truth. May I share with you what she said? In fact, do you remember President Bill Clinton is the one who vetoed the ban on partial birth abortions? Remember that. But Mother Teresa with her small stooped body, I had the privilege of meeting her one time, being in her home in Calcutta. And she was so frail, less than five feet tall. And she spoke like a lion to that gathering, elegantly dressed dignitaries. She said, quote, I feel that the greatest destroyer of peace today is abortion. Because it is a war against the child. A direct killing of the innocent child. Murder by the mother herself. And if we accept that a mother can kill her own child, how can we tell other people not to kill one another? End of quote. Many of those present couldn't handle the truth. And they didn't receive it well. There was a similar story that you may have heard about in the news reported in the news of New York a New York town clerk gave her resignation uh, in a letter saying she would be uh, compromising her moral conscience that was her understanding of truth if she signed marriage licenses between same-sex couples Laurel Potuski said her decision was based strongly on her religious convictions and obeying the law of God over the law of men. She wrote in her letter, the Bible clearly teaches that God created marriage between male and female as a divine gift that preserves families and cultures. And she wrote further, since I love and follow him, I cannot put my signature on something that is against God. End of quote. Truth. New York Governor Andrew Cuomo responded to Fetuski's resignation by saying this, and I quote, The law is the law, and when you enforce the laws of the state, you don't get to pick and choose, end quote. No, actually you do, Mr. Cuomo. <laughs> when you know the truth, you get to choose. Are you listening to me this morning, church? You get to choose. Truth, righteousness You see, dear friends There is truth that's above Our commonly accepted wisdom And human understanding Even some government law Are you hearing me this morning, church? Am I advocating revolution? No, I'm advocating becoming a lover of truth that causes you to stand firm in every circumstance. And when faced with the decision of obeying God or obeying man, then always choose obey God and let God take care of you, whatever it means. This moral law is written, you see, in the hearts of all human beings. We know that by the word of God. In fact, it was Immanuel Kant who said this. Look at it. Read it out loud with me, will you? I want you to hear what he said. Two things filled the mind with ever new and increasing wonder and awe. The starry heavens above me and the moral law within me. Here's a philosopher who understood that there is truth that is God-ordained with which you are born, you arrive with, and your opportunities are to develop that and stand for God when you become accountable and the age of accountability takes over in your life, having trusted Christ as your Savior. You see, we're born with a conscience. And that conscience enables us to respond to the moral law of God as well as the natural laws of the universe. Now we can either squelch or stifle the conscience that has been tutored by the truth of the Word of God. Or we can listen to it and stand firm even when it's difficult, even when we are facing persecution and all kinds of uh, opposition in our life, we can stand for the truth or we can squelch our conscience. But you don't get to go both ways. You don't get to take two roads. You don't get to walk on both sides of the street. We must make a choice. And to squelch the conscience is to sin. And to squelch the conscience is to invite Disaster, because we go against the very laws that God built within us and yes, even in the universe as well. Let me give you a scripture that underscores that reality. I didn't just make this up. Paul had great insight into the truth of God and he had understanding about the human conscience and what a gift it is. I said, that's a gift that God's given you. Here's what he said in chapter 2 of Romans. Indeed, when Gentiles who do not have the law or scripture do by nature things required by the law, they are a law for themselves. Even though they do not have the law, since they show that the requirements of the law are written on their hearts, their consciences, also bearing witness, and their thoughts. Now accusing Or now, even defending them. So, the Bible says there's a law that transcends the laws of men, and it's the law God has written on the tablet of your heart. It's there, my friend, and we cultivate it, and we increase the strength of it, and we multiply the ability of it by standing on the Word of the living God, and as the revelation of God's Word is illuminated into our hearts and into our minds, we continue to grow, and our conscience that God has given us becomes stronger and stronger, and we're able to put on the whole armor of God so that we're able then to withstand the wiles of the devil and the fiery darts that come against us. and having done all we stand we stand on the truth because he is the truth the living God oh hallelujah glory be to God somebody say amen all of this points to the reality that Jesus is truth personified Paul says Christ is the visible image of the invisible God the truth became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory the glory is of the only begotten of the father full of grace and truth the truth personified you want to know the truth then just get to know jesus more and more get closer to jesus jesus Is supreme over all he's supreme over all creation jesus is the most powerful awesome being who came to this earth representing god the father led by the spirit empowered by the spirit hallelujah when you think about jesus and our culture today you have to come right down to it the best i can understand him jesus was the most tolerant and the kindest person who ever lived would you agree with that you talk about tolerance he 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 lived it but he also made some outrageous absolute claims he said this about himself i am the way and the truth And the life, no one comes to the Father except by me. (laughs) I don't know what you think, but that's a very intolerant, non-existential statement. I'm the truth, he said. I'm the only way you're going to get to the Father. That's pretty narrow, isn't it? pretty absolute. See, but that comes from a God who loves you, who cares about you, who deeply loves you. That comes from a God who wants to have a relationship with you, who, who longs for connection, to walk with you, to lead you, to provide for you, to protect you. He wants to be your God. He wants you to be his people. He longs for that. because he's real, and he's absolute. Never mind what people say about Jesus today, it doesn't nullify the reality, just as Paul said. Men may be faithless, men may not believe, but their unbelief does not make God non-existent. It does not nullify God's plan of redemption. It does not short-circuit the grace of God. As many as receive him, to them he gives the right to become the children of God. That's his promise. You probably heard the old fable about six blind men who came upon uh, an elephant. And they together began to converse about, well, what is this? Well, one grabbed it, hold the tail and said, well, it's a rope. Another one around by the big huge side of that elephant and said, no, it's a wall. Another one went on around and grabbed his ear and he said, no, it's a fan. Another one grabbed his tusk and, oh, it's a spear. Another one grabbed his trunk and I forgot. But then you see the point. People, and, and, and this is told, this story is, is given in our culture today to demonstrate and hopefully, give support for the idea of pluralism, of relativism, relative morality. Oh, are you listening to me? But there's there are two problems with the story. One is that all these men are blind, and for people to say that we must walk with them in blindness, I say no. I've, I've heard the truth. I've seen the truth. And the truth set me free. The truth opened my eyes to truth and reality and to the reality of God and to the love of God. So I'm not blind. And the second problem with the story is that it wasn't a rope. It wasn't a fan. It wasn't a wall. It really was an elephant. And and and, and so the bottom line is that, that what we have is that men and women who refuse to accept the truth and embrace the truth and live and love the truth are in denial and it's the big elephant in their room and they're going around like this trying to figure out what it is when God is saying no He's made it very clear, abundantly clear. In fact, the Old Testament prophet said that it's so clear that even a wayfaring stranger need not err, even though he's a fool. He can see this because God takes the scales from our eyes and gives us liberty to walk in truth and to love truth and to embrace truth in our lives. Oh, hallelujah. God wants you to love and live in the truth. We live in a culture where it is more wrong to judge evil than it is to do evil. Did you hear what I said? It's more wrong to judge evil than it is to do evil. In fact, judgmentalism is the big sin of our culture today. And if you don't agree with what the big tech people say is true and what's not true, then you are the bigot. You are the deceived one. You are the misguided one. But listen to the word of God it tells us something about all of that. Read it out loud with me, Romans chapter 1. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth. I'm talking about loving and living the truth. If there was ever a time, my brother and sister, as Christians, we need to love and live the truth, it's now. Don't don't wait till tomorrow. Let's sign on today, amen? Let's sign on today. Let me give you three practical steps that will help you have a heart for God and truth, to love God, to love truth. Number one, embrace the reality of God's revealed truth. Stop questioning it, stop trying to explain it away. For by grace are you saved, through faith. Everything we have from God, everything we know about God, everything we receive, our relationship with, it's all centered in faith. The just shall live by faith, the Bible says. You don't have to reason it through. Believe. If thou shalt believe, he says. Amen? Number two, pursue the ability to know the truth. God has made resources available to us. There are so many resources to read, so many resources to hear, so many messages. My goodness, you almost get inundated. You need to be very careful what you're hearing to sort out what's true and what's false or what's misinterpreted. But that's where the Holy Spirit comes. He'll help you. He's the one who, Jesus said, will guide you into what? All truth. He will do this. Truth. Pursue it. Don't just wait for it to drop on your head. Take initiative. Read the Word of God. Read good books that explain the Word of God. Listen to people decipher and exposit the Word of God so that we know that we know that we know and nothing can shake our faith. Know the truth. And then thirdly, live in the difference that the truth makes. There's a freeing quality in the truth. Let it free you. Let the truth set you free. Let the truth cause your sins to be washed away if you haven't become a Christian. Let let the truth of God strengthen you. Let the truth of God bring healing to you. The truth of God gives guidance. The truth of God gives provision. Everything we need in, in our lives and about our lives is found in the truth of God. Oh, hallelujah. That's why Jesus said that you shall know the truth. Oh, friends, so let's ask God together to help us stay close to God in these last days. Let's ask God to help us come into the light, to keep his word, to pray, and to walk with him so that we might be able, as the Bible says, to rightly divide the word of truth. We need to pray that God will help us be able to detect the word of error also. Don't forget this. Someone is praying for you also. I said, there's someone praying for you as well. Jesus said this in John 17. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I'm not of it. Did you hear that? You're not of this world. Don't get so comfortable in it. Realize that it's going to rub the wrong way many times. And then he says this in his prayer. Sanctify them. Sanctify is such a big word. But it just simply means set apart. Distinguish them from sin unto God. From that which is false unto that which is true. Sanctify them by the truth. And then he says your word is true. God's word is true. So where are you walking today? What are you loving today? What are you living today? Is it truth or is it falsehood? Is it error? Do you find it easier to just massage the truth sometimes? May I tell you there's no such thing as a white lie. A lie is a lie. And too many of God's people are liars. And the Bible says all liars will have their part in the lake of fire. Let God be true. Let all men be alive. Amen. I want to walk in truth. Are you with me? I want to walk in truth. I want to walk in truth. I want to love the truth. One of our dear friends who was, years ago, general superintendent of the Assemblies of God in Cuba. This was before Castro uh, led that insurrection overthrew Batista. And when that happened, people thought they were becoming free and they were gonna, but they didn't know it was gonna be a communist country. And the result was churches, pastors, were all forced to leave. He was met at the door by Cuban militia escorted to the airport he had just come in from a tour as general superintendent preaching in the churches had sat his attache briefcase by the door and had taken his uh, suitcase on in and when they came they grabbed him on the way out all he could get was that briefcase he had his bible some notes he loved the Harvard classics he read and he had, I think, a book or two in his brief with some other incidental things, toothbrush, toothpaste. And they put him on a plane, sent him to the U.S., and my mom and dad met him at the airport because he had been a Bible school companion in Houston and become a dear friend, like a brother to my father. And so he stayed with us, he lived with us. And I'd wake up in the night because I'd have to sleep on the floor. He got my bed my brother's bed. But he wasn't in the bed. And I would hear him moaning. And I'd hear the sound and I'd look. He's prostrate. He's on the floor. Lord, dios And he's praying in Spanish. And I'd hear the word Cuba. Cuba. And he's travailing for Cuba crying out. He taught me a few things, taught me some things in the Cuban version of Spanish. And for some reason, I've forgotten most of it except one little idiom that he taught me. And it became a, like a soldier in my heart, a sentry, if you will, giving watch over my heart. I was still a young almost early in my teens. We lived in a country red oak flat. And my my memory goes back to the little idiom. And he said, "Wayne, let me teach you something and always remember it. Dime quien andas y te diré You know what it means. Tell me who you're walking with. I'll tell you who you are." So many of us say we're walking with the truth when our lifestyle demonstrates otherwise. Church, you may say, Pastor, here in your final months with us, you sure are getting hard. I love you so much. I want to see you in heaven. I don't want you to miss it. And I don't want to stand at the beam of judgment and answer to the head of the church and have him say to me, I I gave you a word but you didn't deliver it. So I'm bringing it this morning. (laughs) Is that okay with you? (laughs) I'm bringing it. We've got to be lovers of truth. Lovers of truth. Come on, stand with me. Lovers of truth. I read the other day something in Charisma magazine that just struck me, and I said, oh, that is so good. You see, what I'm encouraged by is I believe there's a deep hunger for truth in our, in our culture, in our society, in our time. People are longing for truth. And this statement was there. The further our society moves from biblical truth, the more people will hunger for biblical truth. Do you believe that? I believe that's true. I say, yes, Lord, let it bear fruit in my life. Hallelujah. Amen. Isn't Jesus wonderful? How many want to love God and love truth? You want your words to be true. You want your thoughts to be true. You want your attitudes to be measured by truth. Amen. Come on, let's take some time to pray. we must not go. Let's just take some time and join with a couple of other people and, and just pray for them, will you? Come on, let's pray for one another. We need to pray for one another. Let's pray that truth will just rise up in, in an ever-strengthening way in our hearts and in our lives. Let's do that. Let's do that together. Let's pray for one another right now. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. I want what I do in public to be marked by truth. I want what I do in private to be marked by truth. Let me live the truth, O God. Let me speak the truth, the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. My God, may it be so in our lives, I pray. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name we pray. We pray for one another, Lord. These are such perilous times. Men and women are suppressing the truth. But you, O God, have a way of causing truth to break forth as the new dawning sun in the morning. Let your truth rise in our hearts and in our lives. Mighty God, I pray. I bless the friends who are worshiping with us online today and by the way of the internet. Let your truth be in the room with them today. The reality of Jesus flood their heart. Save the lost, O oh God. Rescue the perishing. Let us serve you, O oh God. Let us walk with you, O oh God. Forgive us for shallowness. Forgive us for allowing falsehood to be accommodated in any, of our, any part of our life, O oh God. Let us be lovers of truth. Lovers of truth. Lovers of truth. Oh, yes, Lord, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. May we ever speak the truth, O God. Lie not, O God. I pray for each man, each woman, each husband, each wife children, young people, grandparents, single moms, single dads. We pray, oh God, for one another. We need one another. Thank you because you long to reveal your truth to us. Mighty God, let us see it clearly. We don't want to stumble around the elephant in the room. We want to see the revelation of God. We want your spirit to be free to illuminate your word to our hearts that we might walk in your word and see it as a lamp to our feet and a light to our path in the wonderful name of Jesus.